You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Well, good morning, amazing Real Life family. How are you guys doing today? Good. What if somebody was like, I'm doing horrible, come talk to me. And you're like, okay. Yeah, we could be honest here, right? We can be transparent. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a good day because it's the day that the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad, right? Um, here's what I think is going to happen. I think, so Brad Gray is going to be preaching here next Sunday. And I think the sermon's called like Written in the Dust. He's going to be the guy up here speaking. And here's what I think is going to happen for some of you. Some of you are going to be like, he was here all weekend and I just came for Sunday. Stomp your foot and be mad at yourself for not trying to come on Friday night or Saturday. Well, I can't come Friday night, so I'm just not coming to any of it. <laughs> Bad idea. Well, I can't come, I can't come Saturday because I got to work, so I'm not going to come Friday night. <laughs> Bad idea. Like you, when he comes up here, what I think is going to happen is you guys are going to be like, darn it. So I would highly encourage you to come because you don't want that feeling next Sunday when you're like, leave here and be like, what? I missed all that? They provided that for free, right? So please come. Um, I wanted to start off this morning uh, as a church and I wanted us to pray. And, uh, you know, obviously there's events that happened in uh, Pennsylvania uh, yesterday and um, it's not political. Hurt people hurt people. And what are we supposed to do as Christians? What are we supposed to be for hurt people? A light, a love, shade in the desert, right? And so there's a lot of hurt people out there. And so I want us to take a couple seconds, and I have 10 of the 11 names of the people that passed and I want you to be thinking about their families. I want you to be thinking about where they might be today. The confusion, the not understanding. And so let's together, uh, I'll open in prayer and then I'll read these names. And just as we are reading these names, I want you to be thinking of their families, okay? Father, I don't understand what happened yesterday. I don't like it. Makes me mad. I don't get it. But you do. And so, Lord, I just ask for your hands to be upon uh, that congregation. I ask for your hands to be upon that state. I ask for your hands to be upon our nation. And, uh, Lord, that we want to mourn over senseless things like that. Bernice and Sylvan Simon. Cecil and David Rosenthal. Joyce Feinlin. Richard Gottfried. Jenny Rebenowitz. Daniel Stein. Melvin Wax. 
Irving Younger. Lord, be with those families. Be with the name that I don't have. Be with the police officers injured and the others injured in that. Lord, help us to to be people that see hurt people and, and to show you to them, Lord. Minister to the family and the congregation in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right. And on that note, if somebody really crazy wants to hurt people, they're going to hurt people, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be prepared. I want you guys to all be aware that we have a safety team at our church. Some of them, you know who they are, and some of them, you don't know who they are. I want you guys to all know that we have a plan. We have people that have been through active shooter training, and more people will go through that stuff. I want you to know that we have a plan to protect your children the best that we can. I want you to know, like, if something were to happen in a, in a place like this, like, I'm not saying we're going to be perfect and everybody's okay. I'm just saying that, that we have thought about that. And we have a plan to do the best we can to protect you and to protect your, 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 uh, your children. And so just so you guys are aware, we're not oblivious to that. Your church is preparing and wants to be prepared. And yes, we have cameras and we have all that other stuff, but we have people in lots of places. We have lots of uh, police and sheriff's uh, deputies that come to our church and those type of things. So uh, just so you know, we, we have a plan. Okay, well, here we are finishing up our sermon series on our, uh, our basics, kind of our vision series, going back to the basics of who we are. And our very first one was on share. And there really is like no environment that you wouldn't be able to share what God has done in your life. And some of us share through amazing evangelistic ex, uh, uh, giftings. Some of us share by how we're observed and how people watch our lives and we're peculiar people. They're like, that's weird. Why would you do that? That doesn't seem like how I would react or most people react. Well, you know, my Lord says this. And so you model and share Christ with the dying world, which is part of uh, our vision is to reach the world for Jesus Christ one person at a time. And so we talked a little bit about that. Hope you guys have dug into that a little bit. We talked about connect and the need to connect. And again, these are all on our fabulous wall out there. And connection, how key it is in our lives. And we have to have connection. We are incomplete. It is not good for man to be alone. We are incomplete without each other. And then last week we talked about a minister, and I love it. Uh, one of our guys, I was finishing up the second half of 101, and I had a guy show up about 20 minutes late, but his wife told me ahead of time. And, and I knew why he was late, and I was like, do you want to tell the class why you're late? And he's like, because <laughs> he was ministering to somebody. He was putting an alternator in somebody's car. Good reason to be late to 101 because he's out ministering, doing things. Some of one of our staff members and his wife yesterday were out ministering and went to uh, somebody's uh, house and took care of yard work uh, and spent about four hours ministering to these folks that couldn't minister to themselves. And then they came over to my house and ministered to me as well with some yard work, which was nice. Um, and so we talk about ministering that's like the active part of like, this is who we are. It's not about this building or this, this type of things. It's about being out and being a minister. And we defined what a minister was. And then today, we are talking about the D part, SCMD, share, connect, minister, and disciple. And as you all know, if you've been here long enough, uh, when we say disciple, we need to know what that is. And we say that the definition 
is in the invitation. The definition is in the invitation. So we have Matthew 4, 19. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. So doing certain actions, having certain habits in your life as you're following God. So as Christians, we would say that you should probably read your Bible, not just on Sunday, but like have a daily time where you like get it out and read your Bible. And that statistic is not great across the nation that some that Christians do that every day. But you'd have daily time, you and God, reading his word. That you should pray. Because Jesus prayed. Why would we pray? It was modeled for us, right? And so if that's all you did is you just read your Bible and, and, and prayed um, and you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you probably got the get out of hell card in the Monopoly game of life. But your walk would fill and be incomplete if you just stopped there. If you just sat in your own closet and just didn't talk to anybody else in your own prayer closet and just prayed and read the Bible and didn't talk to anybody else, you'd probably miss some of the things that you read about. So the next part of following Christ is, is it says, I will make you. So he, it's, it's almost like you're still, you're still incomplete and so you've got this flesh bag, as Aaron called it a couple of weeks ago but you're being molded. There are things in your life, in my life, that need to be molded, that need to be changed, that need to be corrected, and some of them are really yucky. Go technical, yucky. Like a two-year-old word, right? Yucky. Yucky things in my life. Bad decisions that I made that affected myself quite negatively and maybe someone else quite negatively. And so I needed to be molded. I needed to be uh, changed and transformed. And sometimes it gets into a lot of, of touchy personal subjects. When I'm visiting with folks often in my office, I can tell when I hit on that hot button. Because... It goes like this, so you're having this conversation and you, the Lord you, sometimes might use you to talk to somebody about the way he wants to mold them, right? And you didn't even, you barely said something and it's like, like they're trying to grind themselves into the ground because it's, ugh, no. Start, start plucking at the really depths of things that you maybe don't want to be molded into that you don't want to change. And so the I will make you part is a big part of what hopefully our church is and your brothers and sisters around you and how God reveals things to you and he's molding you. He's changing you so you can show him off even better. Amen. And then to be on mission with Christ, to be fishers of men has everything to do with what we're talking about today. And we've talked about this series, how are we fishers of men and women? So following Christ, being changed by Christ and on mission with Christ is what we think a disciple is. And you've probably heard this before, but it, it just bears repeating. This is our process. This is what we observe in the text that we are to do. 
uh, our goal is to look and act like Jesus. To be Christ-like. So as you take an inventory of yourself, as I take an inventory of myself, I got some more molding to do. I have some changes to make. Today and always. And I don't know when I ever get to be complete, but we'll figure that out. But like, man, I have some more work to do. Luke 640. Let's see it. Maybe it's on there. Yeah. Uh, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. I don't get to pick when I will be fully trained. But what I know, Josh Gray, what I know is I need to always be in class. I have to be a lifetime student of the text, of prayer, of my relationships with with many of you. Many, Many of you in here have molded me whether you know it or not. And you with me and and vice versa. A lifetime student, I don't get to pick when it's over. I've never arrived. What? Done. Boom. Discipled. Finished. (laughs) It's so irritating for us Westerns because where's the completion in this thing? When have I completed the the last level of this game? (laughs) When is it over? It's never over. Because if it got over, it would be pretty boring. And you know what you'd do? You'd look for another God. You'd look for something else to accomplish. But the Lord continues to reveal himself to us and will continue to reveal himself to us through awesome messages and awesome texts. But it's about people. You can get as good or better messages sitting on your keister, in your house, on the internet, from world-class teachers around the world that make even Aaron and Marty not look good, which would be pretty tough to do. You could find them, you know that? You could find them. So what do you need to be here for? I promise you there's better messages being preached today around the world, but you need to be here for community. You need to be here for connection. This is where God has you right now, and he's even got something to to teach you. Let's look at Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image. Doesn't conformed sound like molded, transformed, made? To be conformed to the image of who? Of his son, our Lord Jesus, in order that they might be firstborn among many brothers. How is the conforming going? How is the molding going? See, I don't believe... You know, disciple making is a relational journey. Let's hit that one. I want everybody to see that. Do you guys have it on your notes on screens? That's all right. Disciple making is a relational journey towards each of us looking and acting more like Jesus. 
So I don't believe you can make or be a disciple without relationship. You can't educate your way there. You don't get level that, yes, we have a 101 and a 201 and all those things, but it's not an end destination. You have to like relationship your way there. Right. And along that journey of relationship, you're getting education. You're learning amazing, cool, awesome things about the Lord that you didn't even know. I was just talking to somebody this morning that's in Aaron's Life of Christ class. And she was like, Pow! she was going through the, what I call the, the early phase of it. Where you're like, what? I've been in church forever and I didn't even know that. And you know what he's doing? He's not doing it where it's done in an environment with other people so you can have a place to process and discuss. If all you did was just get in your prayer closet at home and study the text and pray, I don't think I don't think, I don't think that's what it's about. You should. You should do those things. You should talk about it with your brothers and sisters. Let's look at this next one. First Corinthians. I better use this stool. Let's try this. I'll try this whole screen over here. Uh, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Why is he molding me? Why are you molding me there, Lord? Because when I think about that, let me read that again. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man or a woman, I gave up childish ways. Now, did the Lord give you anything in your mind when, you, when I read childish ways, uh, childish ways where you were like, oh, oh wait, that, that was, yep, that's a childish way. See, see him molding even through a guy like me, Right? Gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abides, these three. But the greatest of these is love. See, to me, I think that love is the ultimate molder. And I know I'm spending a bunch of time on us being stuck on the second part of the definition here because you're probably here, either you're at the very beginning of your, your phase and somebody invited you here and you're either making a decision to follow Christ or you've already followed, made that decision to follow Christ. But now we're talking about being molded, being changed, getting into the weeds of who you are. And to get into the weeds of who you are requires God's word and his other stinky sheep which is us. <laughs> Stinky sheep, yeah. Which is us. And it requires us to love the unlovable. Because he knows that, that at the end of the day that love does conquer all. Let's look at Ephesians. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that 
we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, and by craftiness in its deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. How are we doing? How are we doing on that? How are we doing on that, America? I'm just asking. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Each part. You know, I was thinking this morning as I was reading about, uh, well, I was preparing it, but I was reading about the guy who did the horrible things in Pennsylvania. I was wondering in my mind what paths missed or crossed or left or rights or things that would lead somebody to that spot. And it made me think about this, each part working. And obviously there was some part that wasn't working there. So how do we get there? How do we get to this, this mature discipleship? And we've been sharing with you this whole time. This is how we, we think we're supposed to get there through SCMD, the things on the wall. Share, connect, minister, disciple. We have a vision, right? Are you going to say the vision thing again? Yes, I am. Uh, to reach the world. To reach a broken dude in Pennsylvania. To reach the world for Jesus Christ one person at a time. And you all have a part. Y'all, I'm not even wearing my boots. You all have a part. And our mission is to create biblical disciples through relational environments. Second Timothy. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrusted to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. When you bear your soul with your brothers and sisters in Christ, you are opening up an opportunity for criticism. You're opening up an opportunity for how somebody might look at, and you're also opening up one of the greatest teaching opportunities you could ever give to somebody. How many people have stepped on some landmines of life? How many people can think of landmines you didn't step on because somebody else said, hey, whoop, Josh. Yes, I actually heard you. What did you say? Yeah, that one, that'll blow up your marriage. Oh, okay. Thank you. Boom, next one, right? No. <laughs> but to open your heart and to share your heart with people in the right environment to share the mistakes you made, like you're making disciples. You're doing what, what they just said in 2 Timothy. You're teaching others. Let's dive into Mark here. I'm going to fire through this one. And as he was sitting uh, out on his journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, 
what, mon, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and father. And, and he said to him, teacher, teacher, can you just see him? Teacher, I've, I've kept, like, I'm doing good on those. I not killed anybody. Right? Uh, I'm, doing, I, I'm doing good. I've kept all of these from my youth. And Jesus looking at him, and I want you to highlight this, underline it, circle it, do whatever you do, make stars, artwork, whatever. Your father in heaven is looking at you. And, he's, and, and he, Jesus looking at him, he, he loved him. When you disciple people, when you talk to them, are you looking at them with love in your eyes? Because Jesus loved him. He looked at him and loved him, comma, and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. And disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult, uh, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, what? I messed up? Did I miss it? Sorry. Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. So there's a bunch in there that is the famous saying that's a sermon for another day. I have a great idea for that, by the way. I'm trying to sell it to Marty and Aaron that we have a whole day that's a sermon for another day. Well, you just come in and we just saw, like we go back to the videos and every time they said that, we're like, okay, let's talk about the eye of the needle one right now. I want to hear that one and just have them up here debating kind of back and forth talking about, doesn't that sound like a cool idea? I know. Hope they watch the video. Um, just committed us to something, maybe. Sermon for another. But well, the point of that, and what I was talking with Aaron about this morning, and he said, no, the point of this one, what we're hitting home here, is Jesus, uh, and Jesus looking at him, loved him. That you love people that you're discipling well, and you look at them that way. So uh, we're going to wrap this up. If you're serving communion, please head on back and get that. Um, you're more than welcome to take communion even if you're just visiting here with us you don't have to be a member of our church uh, you just need to be a member of the house of the Lord you've accepted the Lord uh, as your Lord and Savior if you have not we'd love to talk to you about that what does that look like uh, but you can just let it pass by so let's look at our implications here a disciple maker is who I am I want this to be true of me and all of you, right? A disciple maker is who I am, not just what I do. It changes from where, what I call uh, unconscious competency. You are unconsciously competent at making a disciple because it's not something that you're having to think about. It's who you are in your nature. Being unconsciously, an unconsciously competent disciple. There should never be environments where uh, I disciple and environments where I don't. It's appropriate times, appropriate things that you work with, but like, oh, well, and here, 
At, so I'll give you an example. Uh, I'll talk to my wife since she's not here. Um, whether you're at work or you're at home or, or on vacation or uh, at a football game, lots of discipleship happening there. Good or bad. So uh, you're being watched. People are looking at you. And my wife has this amazing ability for self-control. My daughter was playing seventh grade basketball a couple years ago. And my wife knows a little bit about basketball more than I do. She's pretty smart on that. And so there's one coach, and God bless the coaches. They're doing the best they can, seventh grade level girls, right? And so the girl comes off because she did something wrong. And the coach, only one coach, he turns around and he's talking to the girl, which is good. He's discipling her. For about 45 seconds while the game is going on, the coach isn't even watching. Like there's like been like like up and down. And my wife's over there just because she offered to help, but they didn't need her help and in those things. And so she's like, and we have suckers when we're at games so we can be quiet. And so she, being in that environment, knowing that she could possibly be discipling somebody else, she puts the sucker in her mouth and walks out and leaves the gym so she can go work off her frustrations. But no matter where you are, you're representing the Lord, right? When you accepted the Lord, he didn't give you a t-shirt, he gave you his name, right? So you're being viewed, you're being watched. How does that look? There's not environments where you do and don't disciple. You're influencing all the time. Second one. The answer for the world is Jesus. What? So glad I told you guys, huh? Didn't know that. See, put that in your pocket. You didn't know that. What we mean? It's not the church. The church's role is to point people to Jesus. And when you leave here, you're the church. So you're not even the answer. You're a vehicle in your life and in your testimony is what points people to Jesus. You are the testimony of what God has done in your life. How you've reacted and where you're at. We always point to Jesus. You know what? You don't come to this church and my, my church is awesome. Come to my church. Come to my, my church is awesome. You know, my church is awesome because I see Jesus there through other people. That's why this church is cool. As soon as Jesus leaves this church, I'm not coming here. And neither should you. It's not about the name of real life. It's about the name of Jesus Christ. Last one. The fruit of your life should grow on other people's trees. That's tweetable. I didn't even write it. Darn it. I don't even do Twitter, but whatever. I think I do. Maybe I have one. I'll check with the guys. Uh, the fruit of your life should grow on other people's trees. I was sitting with some of my guys last night around the fire pit talking and I was sharing with them why I kind of felt like I had been a crappy friend the last three, four weeks, been struggling. And when I struggle, I isolate. It's my coping mechanism. And when I uh, isolate, I feel alone. And I told them, I'm like, I don't feel, I didn't feel like I had anybody to talk to, but what I realized is I didn't have anybody to talk to because I wasn't allowing myself to be molded. I'm very comfortable in isolation, which really I'm not very comfortable. But I was talking to my guys, and one of them looked at me and he said, 
he started pointing out all my giftings and he started pointing out the areas in my and his life that I had changed and that basically there's a lot of great fruit on his tree because of me. And I have a lot of great fruit on my tree because of my mentors and my disciples. Amen? And we all have amazing fruit on our trees because of our Father in heaven and what he did. Let's think about that as we take communion together. So, on the night he was uh, betrayed, he was sitting with his fellas and he took the bread. He knew he was going to give good, good fruit on their trees. He said, take it and eat. This is my body. And he gave us the fruit. And he held up his cup. And he said, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant. It's good fruit. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Lord, we want to show you off well as a church. We want to remember and come back to the foundation of who we are. We're your servants. We want to share you with the world well. We want to connect to each other the best that we can through you, Father. We want to minister within our church and outside of the walls. Because we want to point people to you, Lord. And we want to be your disciples who disciple, who share our lives, throw our hearts into it. Father, I just ask you to just have your hands upon this time. Let this message sink in. Let your word sink into who we are and who you say we are. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter, and visit our website, liferotp.com. 